Good afternoon, everybody. It's a Sunday afternoon here. Uh, welcome to another edition of Complete Sports Media's podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Campbell, and joining me today is Jason Cameron. We're going to break down some UFC, some NFL draft coverage, as well as some NBA. It's going to be a fun episode, as always. Uh, hey, Jason, how are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm enjoying the day. It's a beautiful day out today. Uh, don't know about the rest of the week. I think it's calling for rain, but I'm enjoying today as it is. Good to hear. Yeah, yeah, we've had a sort of a mixed bag of weather, but uh, yeah, it's been a pretty nice weekend. So uh, let's hope the weather people are wrong and we get a great week ahead. So it sure makes it a lot better when it's nice weather like this. Oh, yeah, it does. It makes everything a lot better. It makes work better. Just, just life, life in general, better. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. So, uh, okay, well, we're um, about to chat about the another great uh, UFC card after uh, last week's Jacksonville COVID card. Uh, we uh, we get to talk about another one at the Apex, uh, the light heavyweight main event, uh, sort of the title challenger fight between Dominic Reyes and Yuri Perhachka. And uh, you had mentioned last time we talked about this that Prohachka was um, super unorthodox, hard guy, uh, tough, and you, you saw him uh, as a bit of a favorite here. Uh, Reyes was the favorite going in through the week, and then all of a sudden the money line went on Prohachka, and uh, there was a lot of happy people that put some money on him because he got a spectacular crazy uh brutal knockout probably i think it was only the third spinning elbow knockout uh in the usc history and uh dominic reyes uh had an early nap on saturday night as he lost that one dominic reyes i gotta give him a lot of credit that dude is super tough because yeah. he he actually took a beating in this fight like he really did you saw if you saw you saw what his face looked like after the fight was done it looked like he went, went through a car car wreck. Man. Like yeah. he, he was beaten up. So I'm going to give him some credit for being as tough as he is. But it's just that unorthodox style of Prohatska. It's the way that he, he he fights and attacks you. You can't train for that. It's 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 different. It's weird. <laughs> it's different. It's weird. But yeah. the other thing about Prohatska, which is super dangerous with him as a fighter, he's got power. He's got an obscene amount of power. Like and so does Reyes, but Prohachka really showed how much power that he has, that unorthodox striking style that he that he does, which really confused Reyes, I believe. And then also too, Prohachka's got a chin, man, because Reyes caught him with some hard counters, very hard counters, and it didn't seem to phase him at all. <laughs> he just kept walking through. So uh, much much credit due to Prohachka. Great win by him, and wait, dominating win over a very, very, very good opponent. Yeah, Reyes um, was tough throughout this one. Uh, they were exchanging some very hard shots. Uh, Reyes had a very crisp jab that uh, he was peppering Brachka's face with, but uh, Prohachka was just very elusive. He, he changes stances, he moves in and out, uh, side to side, really, really well. Uh, very hard target to hit. And then when he would nail Reyes, Reyes would cover up and back up and he would hit him two or three, four more times before Reyes would either swing back or try to move to another part of the cage. And 
Uh, Prohashka, yeah, I I see this guy as definitely uh, somebody that's uh, going to be tough for that whole light heavyweight division to handle because uh, he's got 20, uh, 24 knockouts and 28 fights. Uh, has just really been super dominant. Uh, that was his sixth uh, sixth fight that he's ended one uh, seventeen and sooner. Uh, so you know a lot of guys um, knocking guys out early. Uh, the the thing about Reyes that shocked me was you see his record. Uh, he had the chance at the title when he was twelve and zero. Uh, it's it's not really done very often in UFC where a guy's getting a opportunity at a title belt that soon into his career uh he he lost to jones now he's lost to blahovich and now he's lost this fight uh where does he go from here uh where where do we see him probably a, a little while six months probably before he can get back into the cage after that knockout but where does he go from here yeah actually you're, you're absolutely right after he recovers after that brutal knockout because it was quite brutal he landed on his face, but um, he's going to have to kind of go back to the drawing board, I believe. Like, I think now because of those losses that you just mentioned, he's kind of starting back at the back at the at the bottom of the list again. Yeah. So he has to climb his way back up. And by climbing his way back up, we're talking about like maybe anywhere between three to four more fights now, I think, yeah. before right. he can even be considered for a title shot again. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I sure didn't like Prohachka's haircut. Uh, you know, I think they said it was uh, Japanese warrior style, but um, I don't think I'll be sporting that haircut anytime soon. Well, and also, too, like it, it looked like it was actually giving him some problems because when Reyes put him in that guillotine choke, that was a lot harder to pop his head out because of the, because of the damn haircut, you know? So I, I don't know. He may think about that, you know, a little bit uh, more deeply next time when he steps into the octagon because I don't think that that haircut gave him like uh, uh, it, it didn't give him any advantages in the octagon that's for sure. No, definitely not no. But um, yeah the Czech Republic very represented uh, and, and really 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 good up and comer this guy. Uh, only a second USC fight but he had a lot of experience coming in and um, yeah he's a, he's a guy to watch out for uh, they did say that uh, he will be next in line for the title holder shot. Um, the next uh, fight in the light heavyweight division has Jan Belhovich fighting Glover Teixeira, and that's September 4th, UFC 266. And uh, they've been, uh, he's been said that he will face the winner of that. So excited. Uh, he seemed really thrilled with that. And um, yeah, I think. Either guy is going to have to face this really crazy up and comer. It's going to be tough. Oh, it's oh. going to be super. It's going to be super tough, man. Super tough uh, to face Prohachka like that, because, like I said, he's got that 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 in and out movement, that unorthodox movement, and also too, he keeps his hands down at his side, so you never know where he's going to be striking from. He strikes from weird angles like that, right? Mm. Also too, he's got pretty good head movement, not. Not the best still because Reyes was still able to catch him. But with those other things involved, when you fight that guy, like those are all things that you have to keep in mind when you fight him because it, it just makes for a very tricky fight against a very tricky fighter. He got a $100,000 bonus for that. He got 50000 for one of the performances of the night. He got 50000 for a fight of the night. So Reyes also got 50000 on top of his show bonus. And um, the other... 
50,000 went to the winner of the co-main event, the featherweight battle between Giga Kachazi, uh, Chikazi and Cub Swanson. Um, Giga, uh, 38 kickboxing fights before he even entered into MMA and uh, his kicks are lethal. Uh, that liver kick to Cub Swanson was uh, just brutal. He could not stand anymore had to go to the ground and uh, it was academic from that point on. Uh, I mentioned one minute and 17 seconds about Perhatchka, but it actually was supposed to be about Giga Chikadze. Uh, that's the guy that's going in there and taking care of business, knocking guys out really, really soon. And um, yeah, poor Cub, but I love that veteran. Always been one of my favorite fighters, but uh, man, once that kick landed, he had no chance to fight anymore. Yeah, Cub is one of my favorites. Uh, he's he's a vet, obviously. So if he reacts like that to what I would call, I guess, I'm going to call it the giga kick. I, I guess that's what it is. It's the giga kick right to <laughs> yeah. his liver. So if a man of that uh, quality reacts like that, that means anybody else doesn't have any shot, man. That, that's just, that's a, that's a kick that takes you right out, freezes up your body, you can't fight anymore, and it's and it's game over. It yeah. literally was. It was game over, man. And uh, hats off to Chikadze because he was going to be in for a very long and hard night until he threw that kick. Then it was actually quite academic and easy. Well, done and over with. Um, yeah, the Georgian uh, man, he's tough. Uh, he's going to give a lot of fits to a lot of guys in that featherweight division. Uh, Cub Swanson, he uh, is a veteran. That was his 39th fight. Uh, second most significant strikes landed in USC featherweight history with 1,300. Um, man, he's been around forever, and uh, I hope he, he still stays relevant. He was ranked 15th, so he might fall out of the rankings right now, but um, he also has the tied for the most performance bonuses in USC featherweight history with seven. Um, yeah, just, uh, you know, great career. Uh, really love him. Uh, just came up with a, an opponent that um, is on a meteoric rise. That's his eighth straight win, 6-0 and in the UFC. And um, he called out Max Holloway for this one. Uh, I don't know if they will put that together. He also called out Calvin Cater. And it sort of sounded like he even called out Paul Felder while they were doing that post-fight uh, interview. Yeah, yeah, he, he called out a lot of people, man. So <laughs> he, he, he wants a piece of somebody. But I think more importantly for a Giga, like he, he wants a piece of somebody in the top five, top six, top seven. And I think he's ready. Uh, honestly, I, I think that's a proper call out. And they, they should be accommodating in a very high profile fight for him coming up in the near future. Because let's be honest, because of his meteoric rise, he's very close to getting a title shot himself he's got to be now i know that there's there's that revolving door of those top three guys of ortega volkanovsky and holloway but that guy is he's gonna he's getting into that range right now like he's yeah. getting up there you give him another uh top fight and he wins that fight he's right there with those guys yeah yeah no it was a uh, super impressive and um yeah see the country of georgia represented the uh First fight of the main card had Merib Dvashvili beating Cody Stamen. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. But um, 
good to see another country uh, having these uh, incredible fighters come through and uh, represent their country so well and be, you know, the top of the game really, really quickly. So, um, yeah, why don't we talk about the light heavyweight battle between two incredible fighters. I kind of wish this made would have made the fight of the night. Uh, I thought these guys put on an incredible war. It was uh, the Hulk Ian Kutiloba against Dustin Jacoby. Um, my God, these guys are, are tough. And um, Kutilaba, he absolutely dominated that first round. Eight takedowns, some severe elbows, some really good uh, control up against the cage. And then he kind of got tired. He seemed to not be gassed, really, but just tired enough for Jacoby to come back and win those two rounds. And I thought a draw was a, a, a real good decision because I think that that was fair. It, it, that's the way the fight ended up being. Yeah. Uh, first, let me just say, real animosity between these two fighters. Real animosity, man. Like, they, they did not like each other. So with the way that Kudalaba came out in the first round, I thought, oh, okay. He's, this, this, this fight's going to be over, like, in the second round. Because... I can't tell you how many unanswered elbows he took to the side of his head in the first round. That must have been like 20 or 30 shots. So I'm like, okay, well, Jacoby's probably going to come out. He's going to be a little bit dazed. I, I don't know if this is going to go on for any much longer than that. And then Jacoby comes out, and he's a house on fire. And Kudalaba has slowed down significantly now. Not so much that he's burnt right out, but he slowed down significantly, which allowed Jacoby to get back into the fight. It was a great fight, man. And so for it to be a draw, I'm okay with that. I, I really am okay with that. because I thought that first round was definitely Kudalaba had it 10-8. That was a 10-8 round. That was utter domination. And then for Jacoby to battle back as hard as he did for the next two rounds, I give credit where credit's due. That was, that, that was heartfelt, and that was will and iron, and that was everything that you could ever imagine into a fight yeah, that was an amazing comeback uh yeah to take that much uh, abuse uh be down you know eight takedowns uh you know just getting hammered up against the cage taking some severe elbows uh you know to be able to come back and weather that storm and actually pull out a draw uh, yeah it was uh you know it was a 10-8 round and i'm glad that they are scoring these 10-8 rounds uh, we you know, we've seen many years where they weren't. It was just 10-9 no matter what. Uh, but the, it was a 10-8 round. But uh, for Jacoby to just say, hey, um, you know, I'm, I'm not quitting on this. I'm going to be able to pull this out. And, uh, yeah, I think he won those next two rounds uh, fair and square. And uh, it was a draw. And uh, the, I saw one of the coaches pretty mad about it. But everybody else seemed to like, yeah, okay, that, that was a, a proper decision. Yeah, I, I, that's one of those decisions where I think the judges actually got it right. Yeah. You know, they sometimes they, they don't do that, like a lot of times. But uh, this time, I believe they got that right because that was as close as it gets for fighting. And those guys put on a hell of a performance. I'm glad that nobody lost because now we get the opportunity of possibly seeing it again. Yeah, why not? Yeah, they, they, they deserve a rematch and that'll be... Phenomenal to see. So, yeah, that was awesome. Uh, another great battle between uh, Sean Strickland and Christoph Jotko. Uh, I was um, impressed with Strickland. Uh, Jotko's a tough opponent, uh, but Strickland, I just love how accurate his punches are, how crisp is, uh, they are. Um, 
There's no wasted movement with him. He just seems to really uh, keep, pay, you know, keep pressing forward and landing his shots. And man, it was a, a really good decision win for him. Uh, I, I was super impressed. Yeah, you saw the difference in, in fighting styles from both fighters. You had one guy that, you know, moves a lot, tries to throw a lot of feints, and another guy that doesn't do any of that. His economy of motion, like, he's just super efficient with what he does in there. No wasted movement by Sean Strickland, like, at all. Like, which is actually pretty impressive in and of itself, that he has no wasted movement. And he just plods forward. Like, he... It, it's constant pressure because he's constantly moving forward. There was very few times in that fight that Jotko actually pushed him back, like at all. And I think that that constant pressure, the accuracy, like we mentioned before, with his with his strikes, and that's that's really that's he showed superior class against Jotko in that fight because Jotko just he he wasn't on his level clearly. Yeah. Well, when they um, when they mentioned that his main sparring partner, Strickland's main sparring partner, is Marvin Vittori, uh, I was like, okay, wow, you're going up against him every day. And they said they don't take it easy on each other. They absolutely try to knock each other out, and uh, it's a full big battle every time that they spar. Uh, Vittori's got the opportunity against Adesanya coming up for the title, and uh, yeah, Strickland's lucky to have such a incredible incredible fighter to spar against uh, every day yeah i think they're lucky to have both like have each other to push each other like that because as marvin knows now that he's fighting the champ not an easy fight so he needs those hard sparring rounds to prepare for a champion of that magnitude and strickland is there for him just as marvin's there for him for his fights so yeah it's a match made in heaven possibly yeah, no, it was uh, super impressive. He just walked him down the whole entire night, uh, didn't go for any of the fakes, any of the movement. He just stayed straight forward uh, through his punches, landed a lot of great shots and, and grounded out uh, an amazing decision when I was really, really impressed. So, um, yeah, good on Strickland. If you guys have called him out recently, we'll see who's, uh, who's the lucky opponent that gets to face him. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, Merab Devashvili, the Georgian, um, started off the night on the main card against Cody Stamen. Uh, two really good warriors here as well. And uh, Devashvili ended up uh, getting the decision win. Um, yeah, I was um, also impressed uh, by this guy's performance. Uh, this is a tough, tough guy. Yeah, Devashvili, I, I think that was the best I saw him. That's the best version of Devashvili that we've seen thus far against a very, very tough Cody Stamen. Like, I was super impressed. Uh, yeah. I, was, I was impressed with uh, Stamen with the, his grappling exchanges because he wasn't able to reverse the situation. But then Devashvili turned around and reversed the reverse. <laughs> That's how on top of the game he was. Like, it was I, was, I was just, I was just super impressed. I was impressed with the striking on how he came out and how he attacked Stamen, how they both went back and forth between the striking and the wrestling. Yes, they're both very accomplished wrestlers, but they didn't let that necessarily negate both of their strength. They still went to the mat and they still wrestled along with the strikes, but Deveshvili was just a better man for this particular night. 
No, um, you know, they are uh, both considered wrestlers. So, you know, we thought it would be a ground war, but a lot of those times, those guys, they end up, um, yeah, just having to, you know, do a lot of the stand-up. And his stand-up was amazing. He had 100 strikes landed in those first um, couple rounds. He uh, He's on a six-fight win streak. He said, hey, I'm, uh, you know, I'm a striker. Ray Longo is my coach. And Ray Longo is known for, um, you know, being a really fantastic striker. And, um, yeah, I, I, I was uh, really impressed. He's got incredible stats. I'm going to pull up some stats here. But. Um, he called out Dominic Cruz. Uh, uh, what do you think of that possible matchup? Uh, I, I'm pretty excited if they can put something like that together. Well, I, that would be a great matchup. Here's the thing that Dominic would have, and I, I believe it's already there, but you just have to make sure that his cardio is correct because that guy's cardio does not run out at all. Like, that's one of the weapons that he uses when he fights people. Like, he, he's kind of like Michael Bisping in that respect where he uses his cardio as, rep, as a weapon, and it's constant pressure, constant. And you're like, why does this guy's motor never run out? It's because it just doesn't. It will never run out. He's just going to keep coming at you. And I think that's probably one of the things he's going to use against Dom. But, again, if they do make that fight, that would be awesome because it'd be super strategic fight, I believe. Uh, the, they call uh, Devashvili the machine. Uh, he's a judo black belt. Um, he has the most takedowns in UFC bantamweight history. Um, I don't know the number that he got uh, that night, but he started got into the fight with 41. Another probably half a dozen there. Um, really fantastic control time. He's actually the seventh or second highest among active UFC bantamweights in control time. And his takedown accuracy is about 40%. Uh, so, um, yeah, I... Uh, I just I thought this was going to be more of a ground attack and uh, a lot of um, crazy exchange on the ground, but it was also um, a really incredible stand-up war. Uh, yeah, just uh, back and forth. Uh, you know, Stamen is uh, no joke, uh, but um, yeah, definitely the machine was was the man that night. And and uh, yeah, I thought um, put on the very 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 impressive performance. So. Um, I want to, before we get into the prelims, I want to mention uh, two things. Uh, I don't want to forget about it. Um, UFC has said they're going to Africa. I'm super excited about that. You and I talked about it a few, probably about two months ago, something like that. And I said, hey, the rumble in the jungle, they got to pull this off. The uh, old heavyweight championship between Foreman and Ali and and Dana White said, hey, I never got my rumble in the jungle. I never have been able to pull off uh, a fight in Africa. We've got three champions now. Uh, there's other Africans that are littering other um, di white divisions. And uh, we're going to go to Africa. So uh, they are starting to take bids from countries to see who, uh, who wants to hold it the most. Uh, and uh, the, the initial talk is that it's going to Morocco, uh, which I don't think a lot of people from this side of the world think of as Africa, but uh, Morocco is right there on the you know, more northern part of the African continent. And uh, there's talk that uh, they might be the front runner right now uh, to host an event in 2022. So I'm so pumped. I'm so excited. I'm glad Dana watched this. And 
said he's got to pull it off and make it work. And uh, we're going to have a UFC Africa coming up. Yeah, I'm, I'm super excited. Here's my question, though. Depending on how Adesanya does on his next fight, he wins. But so if he wins, does he put all three African champs on the African card? That's he, he, what I would think. Like, that's what I, that would be in a perfect world. That's what you should do. That's what you, you would know. try to do, right? And so, and if he does it like that, my goodness, wow, is that 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 particular UFC will make numbers. That will make him a ton of money. Like we've oh, said yeah. before, because Dana White loves his money. He loves, he doesn't love to give it out, but he loves to make it. And this would be <laughs> a huge moneymaker for him. Huge. Yeah, no, uh, man, I, I, I can't believe that, uh, yeah, they, you know, they finally figured it out and thought, yeah, we have to do an, an event in Africa. And yeah, if they put on the three title fights of those guys, um, it's going to be the biggest event in the history of the UFC, I think. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Man. Like, I, I, it's going to be right up there. It, it's going to be right up there with, like, I think I would say, like, some of the big ones of GSP when he was against Jake Shields here in Toronto. Um you know, when Connor first uh, fought, um, oh, my God, why, I can't remember. When he, when he first won the championship. Jose Aldo. And against Jose Aldo. And, like, yeah. that's how big it's going to be. But it has the, the potential to be even bigger than that. Because now you'll have, like, a whole country behind these three guys. So. Well, a whole continent, you mean. A whole <laughs> continent. Sorry. Not a country. A whole continent. A continent. Uh. Thank you. And you know, I showed uh, I showed a video, uh, you know, of them celebrating at four in the morning when uh, you know they won the belt. Uh, one of the guys won the belt a few weeks back, and uh, you know, if there's guys uh, willing to stay up to four in the morning to watch it, obviously it's starting to become a pretty popular sport there. Oh yeah, yeah, like hey, at UFC, mixed martial arts, it's a global, it's a global thing now. It, it, it's all over the place, and you have. Fans all over across the globe. And unbeknownst to us, there's a lot of fans in Africa, man. There's a lot of fans and there's a lot of money to be made. And I, I, I couldn't be happier. I'm glad that they're doing it, like you said. And I'm super looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. going to be so great. Yeah, so great. Okay, uh, let's talk about the prelims. Um, Let's fly through it a little bit uh, faster than normal because uh, we've got many things to talk about in the other uh, sporting worlds. But uh, why don't we talk about the Canadian, uh, Randa Marcos facing Luana Pinheiro. Um, unfortunate end to this one. Uh, it was a good battle uh, going back and forth quite a bit. Pinheiro might have had the edge here, but um, a disqualification uh, because of an up kick that landed while she was still on her knees. Um, right away, I think a lot of people thought, oh, this looks like acting. But uh, when they went to uh, the translator and he said she asked if she's lost, if she uh, did, she already lose this fight. What happened? Uh, then you realize that she did get rocked by it. And um, probably shouldn't be allowed to continue. Do you think the disqualification was right in this case? Oh, yeah. 100%. 100% warranted. She was a downed opponent. You can't kick a downed opponent. The other thing that I kind of thought was interesting to me anyways is for, for the, the commentators and the analysts, got to be careful about what you say, man. 
Like, cause like that, that can really skew things. Like, especially when, when Paul, uh, who I respect a ton, but when he said, ah, that may, that may look like a little bit of acting. I'm like, oh man, you can't really say it like that because you do not know. Yeah. You're not the one that just got kicked in the head. So yeah. how are you to say if she's acting or not? And then once it came out through her translator, as you said, it's like, did I lose the fight? Oh, okay. All right. You got rocked because you don't remember what happened. That's bad. <laughs> like, yeah, you cannot continue if you can't just remember how you got to that position, why your head hurts like that. You can't remember that. You can't continue on with the fight. But I thought anyways that Panera was on her way to winning this fight, regardless. Right. I really did. I yeah. thought that she was the better striker and for sure uh, the better takedowns and all that sort of stuff. Had uh, Was able to control on the top position when she had it. I thought that she was very much in control of this fight before the disqualification. Yeah, she's an up and coming uh, fighter. Uh, you know, came into this fight eight and one, now nine and one. Randa Marcos, uh, she came in with a losing record, actually 10 and 11 coming in. Uh, she's been in a lot of wars, and, you know, I respect the Canadian. Um, just unfortunate. I know she didn't do it on purpose. She was just trying to get her off of her so she could get back to her feet and, and uh, threw that kick uh, at the wrong time. And um, yeah, unfortunate ending, but I think um, it was justified as a disqualification. Uh, the featherweight battle between TJ Brown and Kai Kamaka. Um, man, uh, Kamaka was rocked uh, early. Um, and then TJ Brown uh, um, got rocked himself and uh, they went back and forth. These, these two guys, uh, they're small in stature, but they're big and hard. And uh, it was a, um, a really amazing fight. A lot of grappling. Uh, yeah, just, uh, I, I was impressed. Um, yeah, I thought it was great. Uh, split decision win by TJ Brown. Uh, what did you think? I thought this was the best representation of mixed martial arts when it comes to a fight. They fought in all facets, standing, grappling exchanges, on the ground, went for submissions. It had everything. Like it had everything. It had, it had so much. And I think both sides, both coaching quarters were super impressed because they loved the fight. <laughs> uh, even the coaches were into it saying, Oh man, this is a good fight, man. <laughs> And so I, 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 I had Kamaka, I thought Kamaka actually won this fight because personally, I thought it could have gone either way. Uh, what, like what, what other, what other way that either way that the judges saw it, scored it, could have gone either way. Um, but that Brown did win. It was close. It was super close, man. And I'd say that Brown kind of won it. I'd say probably in that last, in the third round, in the last couple of minutes. He seemed to want it more. And so he was really going for it. He was pushing himself past his limits. It seemed clear to me. And especially in that last minute where he's just throwing strikes, just throw strikes. So I, yeah, super impressive fight. And, you know, Brown did edge him out, but it was, it was close. Yeah. Really close. Fight. I actually thought when the fight ended that Kamaka was going to get the decision. I was um, a little... A little upset with it. I thought um, Kamaka, you know, won two rounds and and, and should have got the victory. But as you said, it was close. And um, yeah, great representation of the sport. Uh, they they had all elements and uh, really tough close battle. I was I was really happy with it. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, why don't we uh, skip to 
the women's strawweight fight between Loma Lukbunmi and Sam Hughes. Uh, Lukbunmi got the decision win. Uh, you know, the thing that shocked me about this is she is the one and only first Thai fighter in the UFC. And I'm shocked by that because Muay Thai has been around for hundreds of years. It's been uh, one of the most amazing elements of mixed martial arts. And uh, there's so many tough Thai fighters out there that I'm amazed that there hasn't been so many more coming in at the lighter weight divisions in the men's and the women's. Uh, but she's the lone representative right now for her country. And uh, she's a really great fighter. I was, I'm super impressed with her. But um, are you shocked that she's the one and only? A little bit, actually, to be honest with you, because of the culture of, of mixed martial arts over there in Thailand. Like, you know, like it, it's something that they live and breathe over there. It's their so, national sport, you know, Canada's yeah. hockey, U.S. is baseball, but their national sport is Muay Thai fighting. And, uh, you know, I'm amazed they don't have representatives in the USC littering those lower weight classes. Exactly. Right. Like so that's that's their national pastime, literally. <laughs> so you think that there'd be more. But now that she's in, maybe she's opening the door for more fighters like herself to come into the UFC and uh, demonstrate their, their skills. Um, but she is, she's a bad, she's a bad lady. She's a bad lady, man. Like those kicks are no joke. When she throws those kicks, those are full force, a lot of power behind them. Um, Hughes made a good accounting of herself, but look, Boone as the rounds were adding up was getting further and further ahead as it was going on. Personally, like yeah, her, her striking is, is top notch. Yeah. <laughs> top notch. Very, very top notch and incredible. Yeah, I'm, I'm really impressed with her, and uh, she's new into her career, only six and two record. But um, yeah, I think the sky's the limit for her with um, that power and those, that kicking ability. Uh, look out, uh, women's strawweight division. Uh, she's coming. Uh, I want to talk about the middleweight fight between Andreas Mikulidis and the Canadian KB Buller. Uh, we had Tanner Bozer on last week as a podcast guest and he is a teammate of kb they fight out of the same gym in edmonton and uh, i was really excited to see kb he had a uh, a quick knockout loss in his last fight uh so i was hoping he would come back with a vengeance and uh you know take take a, a victory but um it just i don't know to me they mentioned it through the cast uh, I also, you know, felt the same way that he just didn't seem to have that fire, that uh, real intense passion to, you know, throw at will, get himself in dangerous positions to uh, land some strikes. He was um, just a little too controlled and uh, Mikolitis took the fight to him and, and won that decision. He didn't put his foot on the gas. Yeah. You, know, you know, like he, he didn't really step on it at any point in time in that fight. Like it just seemed like he was, was always holding back or he was reserved, whereas Mikolitis was throwing and yeah. being consistent with his effort and with his, uh, with his ferocity. And I think that was the difference. Like, it, he was, Mikolitis was literally just more consistent with what he was throwing out there as opposed to KB, which was, was he just hung back too much. I don't, I think he was, he played it way too safe. You know, at the end of the day, if you're in that octagon, you got to fight. Yeah. <laughs> You're in there to fight, and I just, he did. I got the same impression as you. He just didn't seem like 
he had that fire, that intensity needed to compete at that level in that octagon and to win the fight. Yeah, it was really disappointing. I was really excited. Uh, you know, it'd been nice to you know see another uh, guy from from that camp uh, get a victory and uh, start moving up the ranks. Uh, I, I know you know all Canada was pulling for him. Uh, just it seemed a bit listless. Uh, Mikelitis was sloppy. I thought he was throwing a lot of punches, just winging them. Uh, you know, trying to come at him. I think KB could have. Uh, been, you know, sharp with his punches and, you know, just been a little more active. Uh, I think he probably could have taken the, the victory, but uh, when, you know, the judges see uh, one guy really going for it, the other guy really just hanging back, I think they're always going to, you know, favor the guy that's going for it. And even if he is sloppy, uh, he still did land the you know, heavier shots and, you know, more of them. So, um, yeah, let's hope. Let's hope he can learn from this. Uh, they do say he learned more from losses than wins, uh, you know, so let's hope uh, he can go back to the drawing board and and uh, come back with a lot more ferocity in his next fight. Yeah, I, I hope so. I hope he learns from this and knows, you know, for the next fight that he's just going to have to show more aggression. Like he, He's going to have to be more consistent with his attack, period. Uh, do you want to mention quickly the uh, opening fight on the prelim card? Luke Sanders, Felipe Colares, uh, decision win by Felipe. Uh, what did you see there? Um, I'm going to be honest. I didn't see this one. <laughs> this is the one fight that unfortunately I missed as uh, it was the early prelim and I didn't see it catch it on TV. Um, yeah, uh, basically, uh, Sanders. Uh, dropped Kolaris early and um, was uh, very uh, landed uh, some really good jabs. Took him to the ground, flattened him out. Had a had a lot of opportunities early, but Kolaris um, uh, ended up being the better fighter as the fight wore on. Got a a, a, a bunch of takedowns late, and um, yeah, just seemed to be the better fighter in the last two rounds. Uh, won a decision, 29-28 on all three judges. Um, he said he was <clears throat> uh, motivated quite a bit because during his training camp, his mother was diagnosed with cancer and, uh, it had, it really, really affected him a lot. Uh, he was super emotional, cried quite a bit, uh, when the decision was read. Um, he thanked, uh, USC and Dana and everybody saying that this changed his life. This was his for, you know, first opportunity to fight for the UFC, and uh, he really took it well. Um, he really fought so hard in those last two rounds, and uh, yeah, it was nice to see uh, a guy that needed a victory, needed something for him and his whole family to cheer up on. Uh, he got the victory. Yeah, and of course, when you have that special motivation like that for any fighter, any person, then uh, you, you can kind of push through any obstacle or any roadblocks that you may have. And, uh, yeah, he, he got the victory, and it was well-earned on his part. And, uh, you know, you, you can put yourself in his shoes because your, your mother faced cancer and, uh, yeah, had to you know, deal with that herself. So, you know, you know where, um, you know, people are when uh, that kind of diagnosis gets, uh, gets read to them. So, yeah, I, I, I really do. I most certainly do. I know the heartache. I know the struggle. But I also know that uh, the power that it can actually instill in you when you when you know that 
you, unfortunately, you can't fight that war for them. You can't fight that battle for them, but you can do everything else in your power to help them as they go through such a uh, tumultuous thing. So. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, it was a, uh, a fun card as always. Uh, yeah, we're always entertained. Uh, lots of great fights on the card, and we're excited that uh, we, yeah, we got to break it down. Um, there is a fight next weekend. Uh, uh, we can, yeah, we're probably just not going to touch much on it. Uh, we uh, we do have to kind of run, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll break it down. It's an early card uh, next weekend. Uh, we It's uh, Sandhagen and Dillashaw. Uh, Dillashaw coming back from his uh, uh, steroid suspension. And uh, a lot of people not, uh, not happy with him. Uh, we'll see uh, how Corey Sanhagen handles him. And we'll see a couple of years away from the Octagon what it does to Dillashaw. Yeah, Dillashaw. The, 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 you, well, the cheater. Yeah, he took EPO. Yeah, he took some stuff. Like, I think he took a lot of things. But anyway, it doesn't matter because he gets the opportunity. He gets the pleasure fighting like the cat that's on fire right now, Corey Sanhagen. And I'm very curious to see how Sanhagen attacks him. I'm very curious to see how, what he's going to do. Like, is he going to set him up as he did for his last fight where he walked Frankie Edgar into a flying knee, <laughs> which was basically it. He trapped him into a flying knee. That's how good he is right now. That's where he's at. Uh, I, can, I can probably say this with a very much uh, some sincerity. I don't think Dillashaw is at that point right now since he's just coming back. So it is going to be a very tough fight for Dillashaw. And I I see nothing but good things for Corey Sanhagen. Like, I think this, for for him beating a guy like that, at that level, that will catapult him. And if he wins, he definitely has to be very close to being next up for a title shot. He's got to be right there. Got to be. No, you're right. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, that'll be fun to watch. Uh, I'm glad we could break down that. Uh, the only other UFC uh, thing I want to mention is Diego Sanchez's UFC career came to an end. Uh, the UFC has released him. Um, he made some statements that he's uh, free and he's super happy. And he put a lot of um, hashtags of other organizations that he hopes to fight for. But as of now, he won't be a USC fighter anymore. Long, distinguished career. Uh, but they say that he has expressed a little bit of troubles with possible uh, brain trauma in his career. And uh, when USC hears anything like that, they want to exercise caution as much as they can and, and just uh, tell him step away. They paid him a bit of a severance and said, uh, you know, you can't, you shouldn't fight anymore. Don't fight here anymore. Um, but uh, yeah, an incredible long career for Diego. He was one of my favorite fighters earlier in his career. And um, yeah, sort of sad to see him go, but I think it's necessary. I, I think it is. I, I, I believe that. I think it's very necessary that he needs to step away or that the UFC distance themselves from him. Because his last couple of fights, I'm going to be honest, man, they're weird. <laughs> it, like it just seemed like there was something really off with him. Yeah, there's some. It seemed like something was very off with him. Yeah. And apparently, from what I've heard from what Dana White said, that 
you got some weird dude that's attached to Diego, some some weird guy. Because it's going to call him the weird guy, and uh, what his influence on Diego has not been good. It's been very very negative, and I think it's contributed to his downfall. Like this this steep decline that we've seen. He he has not helped Diego. He's actually hurt him. So I hope that uh, people close to Diego that actually care about the man uh, maybe step in and say, Ah, man, I I don't I don't know if you should be continuing down this path anymore because. I think it's run its course because he's fought a ton of tough fights. He's got a very distinguished career and maybe it's time to just hang it up. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Let's hope he does. Uh, he probably won't though. There'll probably be a lot of other organizations willing to give him a, a shot. Um, they, uh, they seem to uh, jump on old USC fighters and give them opportunities, but um, yeah, we won't see him in the USC anymore. Um, a long and storied career, but uh, yeah, come come to a close. And let's hope, um, yeah, let's hope it's not a severe brain injury that's going to you know cause him any issues and difficulties in his future. Let's hope he, he has a, a great life um, as he moves into another career. Uh, why don't we uh, switch now to the NBA? I want to talk about uh, a lot of the goings on. Uh, did you happen to? Watch the game between Brooklyn and Milwaukee today. No, I missed it. Missed it. It was an amazing, fantastic game. Uh, two of the top heavyweights in the Eastern Conference battling it out. They had a game today, and they also have a rematch on Tuesday. Uh, so there was a lot of talk that uh, this is a battle to, for positioning. Uh, Milwaukee's in third place right now. Uh, Brooklyn is tied for first. Uh, Milwaukee's only a couple of games back of, of those top two teams. So, um, and it was going to be a battle between Giannis and KD. And man, it lived up to the hype, lived up to the billing. Giannis ended up scoring 49, a season high. Uh, Durant scored 42, and he had the uh, last second shot. Uh, it went off the front of the rim and fell off. Uh, it was a battle back and forth. These guys just. Seemed to go mano a mano going down the floor. Each one would score. And whoever you thought, whoever had the ball last was going to win. Uh, unfortunately for KD, his shot was just a little short. Uh, PJ Tucker was coming into the picture and I think distracted him a little bit when he made the shot. But man, it was a fun game. Uh, one of the most fun games I've seen all season. Here's the thing that, you know, like, that's the problem with the Nets. They were still missing a guy, right? Because Harden didn't even play. Harden did not play. <laughs> That's scary. That that is that is actually, if you think about it, it's terrifying. Because you have it's 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 hard enough to beat a team just with KD. Oh yeah, and Kyrie Irving. All right. But they were still missing an absolute huge superstar on their team. <laughs> yeah. and like I, that's wow man like there's there's something to be said like when you face that team when it comes to playoffs that's going to be super hard very very tough team to play but for this for that game that's amazing that's amazing it's amazing because of the transformation that Giannis has made where he is now at that level that he can go at you mano a mano you want to score you want to go tit for tat we go tit for tat and on top of that, I believe the Bucks' team, their team, is better than what it was last year. 
And one of the reasons why it is better than what it was last year is Drew Holiday. That guy is an absolute stud. I love his game, and I love the defense that he brings to the Bucs where he can lock up somebody else's best. He can take away a guy. He really has that ability. Right. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. A really amazing third option and great defender. And yeah, he, they, he has made them much better. Uh, Giannis um, came into the game. They weren't even sure he was going to play for a while. Uh, he only played 46 seconds in the game before. Hurt his ankle pretty bad. Um, so came in today, had an amazing game, had a, a season high three-pointers. Uh, he... Um, yeah, he just looked uh, phenomenal uh, coming off a, a bad ankle injury. Uh, Milwaukee was great. Uh, it's going to be fun to see back-to-back games with these two. Um, I'm looking forward to the battle on Tuesday night. And, um, yeah, they, they really – Milwaukee really has a legitimate shot to finish in that mix with uh, Philly and Brooklyn. Uh, Milwaukee still can finish first. Uh, it's going to be a nice battle. They're – they're all down to about eight games left, so we're only a couple weeks away from playoffs. Uh, it's coming really soon. Uh, I can't believe the season's already down to the last eight games. I can't believe that they managed to fit in 72 games for this ridiculous pandemic season. They fit in 72 games. Ten games less than a regular season. I don't – I like – when I think about that, I think about the logistics that had to be put into it, the way that they had to push the teams to just play back to back to back to back. Like, you know, like it's amazing. It's, it's one heck of an accomplishment, something I didn't think would be possible, to be honest with you. I really did. I didn't think that they could pull off a 72 game season, but it, here we are. Yeah, they did. yeah, they did it. It pulled it off. And it's been, yeah, fun to watch and incredible. I've uh, been really excited to watch it and uh yeah i can't wait for the playoffs to come uh there's been there's a little more jockeying for position for these playoff matchups and uh we're going to yeah discuss some of it i do want to talk about duncan robinson he set a record on saturday night uh, in miami heat's win over the cleveland cavaliers he became the fastest player to reach 500 three-pointers in nba history um amazing shooter has been has just come in and uh just been able to let it fly uh incredible that he has done it 35 games faster than anybody in history Luka Doncic did it in uh 35 more games so he only needed 152 games to get this record Luka Doncic second at 187 Damian Lillard did it in 199 Donovan Mitchell, 208, and Clay Thompson and Buddy Heald both did it in 214 games. So Duncan Robinson has a record. It might not stand for years and years, but uh, to be able to do it 35 games faster than anybody else, uh, super impressive. That is very, very impressive. It's very impressive considering where he came from and how his his uh, path to the league was, wasn't easy. Very, very hard. But at the same time, uh, he he's, he's he's like just the just the just the chance and the opportunity that presented itself for him to be the three point guy on a very good Miami Heat team, and he has come out and he's shown up and he's shown that he's as deadly from three point as anybody in the game 
right now? Yeah, he played basketball for a Division three school called Williams College. It's in Massachusetts. Uh, it only has two. It only had two thousand students back then. Um, he was able to, you know, make it into the league and uh, holds a record that, uh, you know, he'll be able to tell his kids, his uh, grandkids, and and anybody else that he's sitting around playing on the playground with. Uh, yeah, uh, blew me away that, um, yeah, he's the top of the heap, fastest ever to get 500 threes. And, um, yeah, I, I, I love him. We've been talking about Miami, especially uh, that run in the bubble. They went all the way to the final. Uh, there's just a lot of great pieces they had. And he was such an instrumental piece in being able to provide those three-point shots for them as they uh, made their run. Yeah, of course, because when, when you have – a dead eye shooter like that, then he, he draws people to to him, and it just opens up uh, the court for everybody else, and it just makes the games that much easier. When you have a guy that's like, well, as soon as I kick it out to him, he's going to hit that three. You know that, right? <laughs> and uh, it it just it just makes the game so much easier, so much more simplistic. And I couldn't be happier for the guy. Like like you said, came from a tape three school, and for him to grind and get into the league the way that he has. And then to surpass some of the peers that you know are going to be Hall of Famers one day, <laughs> for him to pull that off, that's amazing. That is simply amazing. Oh, amazing. Yeah, incredible. Yeah, so uh, there's a uh, bunch of games going on uh, today. The Trailblazers and Boston game's on right now. Uh, it's a one-point game with seven minutes to go in the third quarter. Portland's up 84-83. Uh, looking forward to the matchup tonight between the Lakers and the Raptors. Seven o'clock start here on the West Coast, 10 o'clock Eastern. Um, Lakers are, are finally back. Uh, they got LeBron back. They've got AD back. They've got Drummond. They're all a little bit uh, banged up still, but they're, uh, uh, they are back playing games. And look out now. Uh, look out West. Uh, they came back just in time for a playoff run. And um, yeah, I, as long as they can all be healthy, uh, they have a really good shot at repeating this championship. Oh yeah, I, I, I would say so. Um, and also too, they came back just with just enough time in the regular season to do some tune up, make sure that they're good going heading into the playoffs. Hopefully they can get that chemistry that they need with Andre Drummond, uh, with AD and LeBron. Uh, but you know what? Those two are so good that they'll be able to figure it out very quickly, I believe. And the other thing that I've it has been super impressive, the most impressive thing with the Lakers, while their two superstars have been out, has been their defense. It has not suffered. In fact, I personally believe it may have gotten even better with the fact that those guys were out and they still battled and they didn't lose that much in the standing they didn't lose as much as i thought they could have without those two and they they still managed to keep things afloat while those guys were out so yeah and once again i believe the lakers are should be the favorites to win and that's the team to beat. yeah well it's uh it's gonna be strange because usually the you know the favored seeds you know gonna be one two going into the uh, you know, into the playoffs. Uh, right now, the Lakers are sitting in sixth position. Uh, probably can't make it in the top four, 
So, uh, you know, they probably can, uh, they, they probably won't be hosting uh, any playoff games to begin with and probably not hosting any games at all, uh, you know, to be the, you know, the home team for the playoff series. Uh, them and the Mavericks are tied, uh, same record, fifth and sixth, uh, 36 and 27. Um, so, you know, right now they would be having to face uh, Denver, who's nine and one in their last 10 and uh, playing well. Um, obviously, we mentioned Jamal Murray not in uh, in place, but um, but yeah, look out West. Uh, they they're finally back together. And um, yeah, I think uh, they're going to cause uh, tons of problems. Um, uh, Jazz at first, uh, looking very strong, 46 and 18 on the year. Suns are right there at 45 and 18. Uh, Suns have been still super consistent, playing great. Booker and Paul are an incredible backcourt together, and DeAndre Ayton in the, in the front court, uh, seven and three in their last 10. And uh, both those teams, uh, they're going to give trouble to anybody in the West, though, for sure. Oh, yeah. Both of those teams are at the top of the West division for a reason because they're that good. And with the Phoenix Suns, with like, it's like we, we've talked about before, with the addition of Chris Paul, with the way that he can run their offense, with the way that they actually have the luxury of having a guy that he, he can't do this every game. Like he can't just put the team on his back every game. But what he can do is he goes, if people are cold for a quarter or two, you'd be like, okay, that's fine. I got it. I'll take over. You have the luxury of having a guy like that, which is simply amazing. I believe Chris Paul just had a game the other night. I think it was against the Knicks where he scored like seven points down the stretch to win the game. That's what you got. And he can do that at any point in time. If you need him to step up, you can step up and do it. And that's, and that's that, for me personally, I think the Suns might be the sneaky sleeper in this, all this, of, of all the teams. I think the Suns might be the sneaky sleeper in the, in the playoffs. There was a game yesterday. Uh, the Pacers uh, played the Thunder. Uh, DeMontis Sabonis uh, had been out for a little while with an injury, came back, first game back. Uh, he had a triple-double in the first half, 22-11-11. He finished with 26-19-14, and 14, and he even sat a lot in the uh, end. It was... The score was 152 to 95. It's the first game since 1993 that a team had 150 and their opponents had less than 100. It was a, just a complete blowout. I think the Thunder are tanking, trying to finish near the bottom so they can get a good draft pick. It was a, a shocking result. It was the second largest margin of victory ever. Uh, I was uh, pretty blown away by the results that came out of this game. Well, I, I would say this, the Thunder doing very good job at tanking. That's, a, that's, that's, that's exemplary. That, that's an A-plus plus for tanking. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was insane, yeah. Amazing, amazing. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, looks like um, they pretty much... Uh, got the top 10 solidified in the West. We've got the Spurs in 10th, Warriors in 9th, Grizzlies in 8th, and Blazers uh, in 7th. Uh, looks like those four teams will be in that 
play-in tournament. So Blazers against the Spurs and Grizzlies against the Warriors. Um, those will be fun games to watch, and uh, it's going to be kind of cool to see those four teams battle it out. First time they have this play-in tournament like this. Yeah, and, and, I, and I love it. I, I love the, the, the idea of the play-in tournament. But there was an analyst I heard the other day. He brought up a good point about the play-in tournament that I never really considered. Okay. I just didn't consider it, which was, should it, should it be that 7 and 8 play each other and 9 and 10 play each other? Or should it be that 7 and 10 play each other and then 8 and 9 play each other? Yeah. Right? Because the guy, you know, he did get to the seventh spot, so you shouldn't be, you should get something out of that. And I, 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 I kind of agree. I kind of agree. I, I think there should be something that should be maybe a subtle tweak that they could add maybe next year. Because, you know, like if you're the seventh spot and then you just play number eight, then it's, wow, I, I didn't, I didn't get anything out of that. Like I got nothing out of that. Right. So, but I, I do love the fact that they do have the play in tournament. Now it just adds a little bit more excitement and a little bit more of, ah, I, I guess I don't know what can happen. Anything could happen, you know, where you could have like a team all of a sudden make a miraculous run. Maybe we will see that at some point in time down the line, not this year. Let me be clear, not this year, <laughs> but it could happen. And so I, I, I love that. I, I like the idea of nothing set in stone. You don't know what's going to happen. I'm glad the Warriors are going to be represented, it looks like. Uh, Steph Curry in April. We talked about that we weren't quite to the end of April last podcast. Uh, he had made 85 three-pointers. He finished the month of April with 96 three-pointers made, uh, definitely by far the most in the calendar month in NBA history. Uh, 37.3 points per game, which is a career high in a calendar month for him. Uh, 18 30-point games. That's the third most by a player in a calendar month over the last 30 years. 35 points per game on 50% from the floor, 40% from three, and 90% from the free throw line. And that's the first time in NBA history that a guy has been able to do that in a calendar month. So, um, yeah, we talked about, you know, gave him so many props and superlatives about how phenomenal he's been doing. But I'm glad that their season won't be coming to an end immediately when that 80, 80 second game is done. I am happy that they uh, yeah get another opportunity at, at playing and getting into the playoffs possibly. Yeah, and I'm happy that we get to see more Steph Curry. I, I'm super happy about that because of we just we were just singing the praises of Duncan Robinson, right? Um, at this point in time in, in this season, he has over 200 threes. Steph Curry, damn near had half of that number in a month. One month. <laughs> One month. That is as ridiculous as anything I've ever heard in my freaking life. Like, how is that even possible? How, like, that means for that entire month, it's, I'm on fire. I'm, a, I'm NBA Jam on fire for a month. <laughs> that, that's just, it, it boggles the mind. It doesn't even make sense. That's not logic. That's not logic. It does not make sense. That's why I love Steph Curry. He doesn't make any. You, you texted me the other day saying he's a he's a freaking video game. Uh, you know he's uh, he's being become a video game. You just throw up the three and it's going in from everywhere. 
Yeah, exactly. Like if, if you if you were to look at Steph and you see him play and you're like, I'm actually playing him on my controller right now. I know it's real life, but no, he's 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 basically a video game. He's a video game player. Absolutely amazing. That's so amazing. Yeah, so fun to see. Uh, another guy that uh, we love to talk about and we love to watch is Luka Doncic. Uh, he had a 30-point, 20-assist triple-double. That's only happened four times in history. Uh, Russell Westbrook had it happen earlier this year uh, against Indiana. Uh, Magic Johnson had it happen in 1988. And Oscar Robertson back in 1961 against an opponent called the Chicago Packers. Uh, weird. I didn't even remember that there was a Packers uh, basketball team. But uh, to be the only guy to do it for the fourth time in history, uh, Luca is just a, a special human being and an amazing, amazing player. Uh, another phenomenal triple-double by him. Yeah, he's, he's just that good. Like he's, he's the next up, you could say, like, he's the next up. He's the next big thing. He's the next guy that's right there to take the mantle of, yeah, I'm that good. I'm the best. There's, there's nobody better than me. Nobody. Uh, speaking of the triple doubles, Russell Westbrook, uh, we mentioned him on that list. Uh, he's chasing down Oscar Robertson's all-time triple double mark. Uh, he only has, uh, he's only got four to go, four triple doubles to uh, pass the legendary Oscar Robertson for all time. And uh, they said his record is something like 132 and 40 when he gets a triple double. So uh, there are some people that say, oh, kind of an irrelevant stat, but when he is that well-rounded and having that phenomenal game, his team seems to win all the time. 132 to 40 tells me, yeah, that 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 cements it. Like, like those aren't throwaway stats. Like, I know a lot of people say that, especially in regards to uh, Russell Westbrook, where y'all, you know, like that. Those are those are meaningless stats. Like he's just stuffing the stat shit. Nah, man. If you're 132 and 40, that and that counts. That means he's that good. That means he's leading his team to a win more times than not, you know? So um, hats off to Russell Westbrook. I, my question to you is, do you think he gets it before the season's done or the regular season's done? There's like about eight, nine games yeah. left. Yeah, no, I think he pulls it off. Yeah. I think he's motivated. Um, I think his teammates will wanted to get it for him. Uh, I think, you know, he'll be, he'll be playing a lot of minutes. Uh, Wizards want to make it into that play in game. They're two games up on Chicago and Toronto to get into that 10th position. Um, yeah, I think he does it. Yeah, I, I think he does too. I think he does too. And I think, I think both of those guys are super motivated to try to get to the playing game so that they can get a taste of the playoffs, especially Bradley Beal, because <laughs> when was the last time he was in the playoffs? I, I don't think ever. So I, I think he's, he wants to have a taste. He wants to know what it's like to be in the playoff run, you know? So yeah, anything that he can get, he'll take. I mentioned that uh, game between the Thunder and the Pacers. Uh, I, I failed to mention that it was the worst loss in by points in NBA, worst home loss by points in NBA history. Uh, 57 points 
uh, losing. And uh, 2018 Bulls um, beat the Celtics by 56 points. And the 86 Rockets beat Seattle by 56 points. But uh, that 57 points was the worst home loss in NBA history. So way to go, Thunder. You're, you set a record uh, pretty crazy and brutal. Oh, man, it was uh, – yeah, that that uh, is not a result that I think uh, a lot of Thunder fans wanted to see. But, um, yeah, they're definitely – trying to get that position, um, get that uh, good draft pick. Uh, Raptors, I mentioned, um, they've lost four of five, haven't missed the playoffs since 2013. Um, eight games uh, eight games to play, a uh, couple games back. Um, I, I just don't, I don't see it happening, unfortunately. Uh, they're going to have to retool uh, probably – uh, you know, address some of their needs uh, in this off season and um, yeah, try to you know approach next year fresh and, and uh, go out of playoff position again. Yeah. I, I, I completely agree with that assessment. I think uh, they'll, they'll play out the string. They'll, they'll do their best, but this is just definitely not their year this year. Um, but then come the off season, I think you're going to see a lot of moves on uh, the Raptors part. I think a lot of pieces are going to move. I think it'll, they're just going that they need to reorganize, reorientate uh, their team. They, they, they need players. They're, they're lacking in a lot of different positions and they just need to change the team radically. I believe at this point in time. Uh, <clears throat> I guess the last um, thing I want to talk about is um, yesterday would have been Kobe Bryant's daughter, Gigi's birthday, her 15th birthday. Uh, tragically lost in, in 2020 in that helicopter crash. Uh, we are starting to see a lot of the NBA players wearing this new clothing line that uh, Kobe's wife, Vanessa Bryant, uh, put together to honor uh, her daughter. And it's the Mamba Sita brand and uh, super impressive looking clothing. Uh, I hope people buy it in droves. Uh, I see that Kyrie Irving bought his whole Brooklyn team uh, Mambasita uh, wear, and a lot of the other uh, NBA players have been wearing it coming into the arena the last few days. Uh, have you noticed uh, some of these clothes yourself, Jason? I haven't noticed. I haven't noticed, but I think it's a beautiful thing that uh, the, the, that uh, that uh, her mom has done to honor the daughter that has passed and couldn't be happier. Couldn't be happier that, you know, the NBA players are supporting it too because of just the impact that obviously that Kobe had on the game that that's, that's not questioned clearly. And uh, it, it's great to see that the NBA community come together to help support this because of just how special Kobe was. Yeah, I know. It's really nice that, uh, yeah, there's a lot of support there and uh, yeah, great to see uh, her her being honored this way and and um, yeah, I, uh, I I love the gear. I'm gonna try to buy some myself. Um, see if I can get it, put it up behind me, put it on on me, and uh, yeah, honor honor Kobe and the family. Uh, okay, why don't we just uh, we'll touch on the NFL draft in, in a sec. I want to mention our partners and sponsors first. Uh, Anchor's been a great partner and sponsor for Complete Sports Media from the beginning. 
They've been fantastic at posting on multiple podcast platforms. You go to anchor.fm and they call themselves the easiest place to make a podcast. Uh, I agree, uh, really fantastic and easy and uh, very good help for you if you want to start out um, doing podcasts yourself. Uh, Verbero, they are the hockey equipment and apparel company. They're an industry leader in technology, <laughs> performance and value. And the V350 stick is a must purchase if you're a player. Pampas and Possibilities, they design and sell dried florals, do floral arrangements and installations. They're designers of handmade West Coast things at very reasonable prices and forever living. They are the aloe vera company. They grow and manufacture aloe vera based products for health and beauty. And if you go to completesportsmedia.com, you can find tons of details on these companies and their products and purchase them at reduced prices. So th thanks as always to our partners and sponsors. Okay, so we have, uh, we had a fun uh, weekend with um, the NFL draft. Uh, obviously, uh, there's always tons of talk about the, you know, top four or five positions and everybody's, you know, really excited about these quarterbacks usually joining these organizations and the first three went according you know to most people's uh, pre-draft picks and um, yeah it was pretty uh, pretty normal but uh, a lot of really great moves made over the weekend uh, tell me about um, your thoughts on uh, on this draft coming this weekend well I, I thought that um, Jacksonville was a no-brainer obviously taking Trevor Lawrence as number one, I, I, I just believe that that guy is going, he's a franchise cha changer, clearly. Yeah. And I hope that Jacksonville does, does right by him and gets him an offensive line. I don't know if they already have their offensive line, but I think that's one of the things that needs to be addressed by any team that decides we need a quarterback. All right, you got the quarterback. Now you better protect him. Because if you do not protect him, you, you, you'll run into a situation like, like Andrew Luck, where it's just like, oh, I just got my body destroyed for the last six, seven years, and now I'm done. Now it's over. Short so, career, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so a very short career. So, I, I, you know, obviously that was a no-brainer. Uh, the other move that I, I liked was the Chicago Bears taking uh, Justin Fields for quarterback. I actually like that move. I, I don't know how he – He's going to be thrown into the fire pan, uh, frying pan, and I hope he can. I hope he he makes it. But I, I think he has the potential to do very good things uh, for the Bears. Like I, I, I really, I really like the pick. Really like the pick. The no, Bears. they, uh, yeah, they were really happy he fell that far. There was lots of talk that the 49ers would take him with the third pick, and um, they decided to sort of go off the board and and pick a different quarterback. Um, and yeah, Justin Fields is a huge, huge get for Chicago. And um, the New England Patriots, uh, they stayed in their position and they ended up getting Mac Jones, who uh, had a fantastic college career. And uh, now he comes in and will be the heir apparent. Uh, you know, he might even uh, start games coming right out of the gate uh, for the Patriots. And the Patriots didn't have to do anything. I think he just he, he fell into their lap, literally fell to them, like in the 15th spot, which is amazing. I, I don't like it's almost like 
did Belichick plan this? What did he do? Like, how did he talk to the other teams to say, I'm going to use my, my New England wizardry and you guys are just going to give me what I need without me doing anything <laughs> at all. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's kind of amazing. It's, it's, it's kind of amazing. I, I liked actually another one I wanted to bring up. I liked the Denver Broncos pick. I, I liked them picking up uh, cornerback Patrick uh, Sertain, uh, whose father played in the league. Yeah. Now the son plays in the league. I actually I really like that pick because their secondary needed help. And he was one of the two of the best cornerbacks to come out this year. Besides, uh, I think the other one was Jeremy Horn. So I, I, I love the pick. I love the pick. Uh, what about uh, your Atlanta Falcons? Uh, they made tight end Kyle Pitts their uh, their pick. And uh, man, can you believe the size of this kid? 6'6", 239 he's listed at. Um, man, like uh, they have an incredible weapon. We've been, you and I have been talking a lot about the size of these crazy tight ends. Uh, this is another milestone reached. Uh, this guy is an incredible target. 20 years old, coming into the league at that size. Great wheels. Uh, I think it was a fantastic pickup by them. I, I think so too. So I think personally, out of out of all these athletes, I think he was one of the best athletes in the draft this year. And it's, it's kind of going to be weird for me to say this, but and he's still growing into himself. He's still kind of he's going to be bigger. He's like when he reaches his full full grown, mature, built NFL size. You know, now you're looking at a man that's uh, 6'6", 250, 260, doing all of that. And he, he's going to be a scary individual. I love the fact that the, the Falcons picked him up. I think that's a great pickup for them. Um, they decided to not go with the quarterback and just keep Matt Ryan, just keep it going. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm happy, but there's still a lot of work that that team needs besides just the tight end. So, But it's a, it's a step in the right direction, I believe. Yeah. Um, a lot of people said there was winners and losers in this draft. It's always hard to evaluate it immediately until you see them play and see them uh, perform. Uh, there's a lot of talk that the Browns, Eagles, Ravens, and Giants were probably the winners of this draft. Uh, got so many uh, needs addressed. Uh, other teams that they say kind of didn't really hit the mark were the Raiders, the Colts, and the Saints. Uh, they say that, um, yeah, they... Uh, didn't really, uh, you know, get get the people that they needed. Uh, we'll see, um, you know, how it shakes out in the next little while. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's hard to evaluate it uh, right off the bat. Uh, but uh, it was fun to watch. Um, a lot of guys' lives changed immediately. Um, there was four Canadians picked in the draft, and that is tied for the most uh, since 2014. Um, it was pretty great to see. Uh, some very, very, very talented guys going. Uh, a lot of the talk was about Chuba Hubbard, who uh, went to the Carolina Panthers. Um, he was the first Canadian running back taken uh, since 1996. Tim Biakabatua was also picked by Carolina back then. Um, Chuba was on a conference call right away from the, uh, the head brass in Carolina. And they said that the 
uh, general manager's wife called and said, pick him. Don't pick anybody else. He needs to be our guy. Pick him, pick him, pick him. So uh, they had no choice but to make Canadian Chuba Hubbard their pick. It's the general manager's wife got on the horn and said, you're taking this dude now? That's a big thing. I didn't know that she had that much power, but I guess she does. You know, I'm sure the GM said, no, 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 listen to my wife. Yeah, no, that, that's good. Yeah, yeah, that, that's what we want. So <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. I love the fact that we, we, we finally got some, we have a good representation, some Canadian talent in the NFL and uh, four picks. Uh, most has been in a long time. And that, that's awesome. It shows as a country where we're where we're getting to. We're getting to a point where, you know, like our athletes are getting into the highest levels in the NFL. Uh, he had a uh, he had a bit of a down year in 2020. He didn't play full season uh, because of COVID, but he was the top running back in the nation in 2019. He had 2094 rushing yards and 21 touchdowns. Uh, so the teams hadn't forgot about him. He only played seven games last year, and he had about 700 yards rushing. Pretty great game, uh, a pretty great season. But the season before, he was the top running back in the nation. Uh, I'll mention the other guys. Javon Holland, uh, safety out of Oregon, went in the second round, 36th overall. He's out of Coquitlam. Um, Benjamin St. Just, uh, Minnesota corner. Uh, he went in the third round to Washington. And Josh Palmer, wide receiver from Tennessee, went in the third round to the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, there was a couple guys that were supposed to be picked. They said he, they were going to pick, be picked, but um, didn't make it onto one of the uh, rosters right away. But there's a huge amount of free agent signings, guys, undrafted signings that started happening on Saturday, Sunday, going into this week. Uh, the, I, I think a guy uh, named Alaric Jackson out of Iowa. He was a four-year starter, a tackle there. Uh, he's 6'6", 321, offensive lineman out of Canada, Windsor, Ontario. I, I expect him to be on a roster very, very soon. And uh, a linebacker out of Oklahoma State from Calgary, uh, Amen Og Ogben Miga. Uh, he was the Oklahoma State top defensive player in 2019, and uh, I expect him to come around too. Uh, Seattle Seahawks signed a, a Canadian in the um, uh, free agency pool. And uh, yeah, I think um, after uh, our man that went to the Steelers and had such a phenomenal, phenomenal rookie year, uh, I, I, you know, I see the emergence of Canadians happening a lot more uh, in the NFL. Yeah, yeah. I, I do too. I do too. And I couldn't be happier. You know, like it's, it, it's, it's warranted because these, these, these guys work so incredibly hard to get to that goal, to get to the point of getting into the NFL. And our, our Canadian talent has been shown to be steadily improving as the years go by. So it's, uh, it's just a testament to all the young men's like ability and their drive to get to the top. Uh, one of the biggest uh, stories of the weekend uh, turned out to be Aaron Rodgers has supposedly said he doesn't want to play with Green Bay anymore. Uh, he wants out of there. He's not happy with the direction of the team, the way they've uh, dealt with him in the last couple seasons. 
the way that uh, last season ended, uh, yeah, it's put a sour taste in his mouth and he doesn't want to be there anymore. I saw him yesterday at the Kentucky Derby. I was really surprised that a reporter didn't run over there and try to talk to him and ask him, uh, ask him what's going on. But uh, he was in a, in a box enjoying the horse racing there. But um, yeah, kind of a shocking news. Uh, there has never been an NFL MVP to be traded in the off season before the following season. So this would be unprecedented, but uh, where do you think this is going? How do you think this is going to turn out here? I don't think they trade him. I, I just, I just don't think he gets what he wants, but he does have a point. Here's why, because I believe I, I, I even want to speak to this, this draft, but like in the first round for green Bay, they've always taken a defensive guy for like the last eight to 10 years straight. So if that doesn't tell you something of, Oh yeah, it's Aaron, he's fine. He's got enough weapons. Yeah. You know, whatever. Like it's almost as if they just said, you know what? Yeah. You, you say a lot of things, but we don't care. and We're not listening to you. So this is what we're going to do instead. It's almost in spite of, it. and he does have a point. Like, if you look at that, if you look at that thing where it's through the draft, they're not actually helping him at all on the offensive side of the ball. And that it has been go like that for a long, long time. And, long even, and even last year's draft, they even shoved it in his face even worse, and they picked a quarterback, yes. uh, which isn't going to help him in any regard. Right. Jordan Love was picked uh, last year in the first round by the Packers, and uh, that – annoyed him he still went out and won the mvp of the league and uh, almost took the packers to the uh, super bowl uh but this year i just think uh yeah there's uh there's some serious problems there um he has so much money so much leverage that he could probably sit out and uh, they will have to be forced to make a make a deal if he really doesn't want to play there anymore if he if he if he puts his foot down if he's willing to lose out on, I don't know, what is it? Probably 40, 45 million this year, whatever it is. But if he's willing to lose out on that, yeah, he could do that. He could really force their hand. Because the other thing that came up during like uh, the whole draft and stuff was the fact that the story came out, probably due to him pushing it a little bit too, that Denver wanted to try to get him. And so that was the backstory behind the actual NFL draft. And it was just coincidental to me that a story like that comes out on the day of the draft? Really? Yeah, yeah, that, that's, that's kind of cool how that happened. <laughs> Timing was everything. Timing yeah. was impeccable. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I think it was fairly strategic. Yes. And, you know, Aaron Rodgers doesn't do anything without thought. It's always measured. Everything that he does. It's, it's to send a message most, most of the time. And that's the I'm curious to see what they decide to do, what he decides to do, because I think they're going to call his bluff. They're not going to trade him. They're just not going to do it. But what Your audio cut out there at the end. Oh, but, uh... no. oh sorry about that. Somebody's trying to call me. Anyways, oh. it'll be interesting to see what they do, what, they, what, uh, what Aaron does after, because they, they're not going to trade him. They're not going to move. They're, you're not going to move 
the guy that just won the MVP. I'm sorry. Just, you're not going to do that. Not going to do it. Uh, okay, well, uh, yeah, we got four and a half minutes left in this basketball game. Portland's up uh, six on Boston, 117-111. As I said, the Raptors-Lakers games tonight, which will be super fun to watch. Uh, LeBron and uh, that team is fun to watch. Uh, Raptors, um, yeah, I think uh, they, they went into this uh, really tough stretch against a lot of really good teams. They just don't have the horses. They don't have the team to, to win it this year. And, uh, yeah, unfortunately, with the Wizards on such a roll, it looks like Toronto's falling out of the playoffs. But the playoffs are still going to be fun to watch, basketball fans. Uh, we're, so many teams, as we've you know, Jason and I have covered so much this year, uh, it's going to be an incredibly fun playoffs. And uh, back to a traditional thing, not like the bubble was, I, I think, um, yeah, I, I can't wait. I'm, gonna, I'm so happy I'm going to be off of work. This is my last week of work, and I'm pretty excited. There'll be some time to have to watch some basketball and as the playoffs start. Uh, you and I are going to have some fun breaking these down. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. It's going to be super exciting. It's going to be super awesome. And the fact that we're going to have the playoffs with some fans in the building. So that'll <laughs> be nice, as opposed to just hearing uh, like a sneaker squeak on a gym floor. That'll be nice. It'll be nice. Okay, buddy. Well, thanks for doing this. I appreciate us doing it a uh, day early. Uh, I hope you don't work too hard tomorrow and too late. Um, but uh, yeah, have a great week ahead and keep in touch. Uh, yeah, there's a lot, always a lot to break down in the world of sports. And um, yeah, thanks again. This is fun. Uh, had a really good time again. And um, yeah, we'll talk to you next weekend. Yeah, man. You enjoy the rest of your week and uh, look forward to doing this again next Monday. Talk to you then. Okay. Cheers. Bye for now. Bye bye. Okay. Uh, there it is. Um, our weekly podcast. Uh, thanks, Jason. As always, uh, a lot of fun things to break down. Uh, yeah, it's always great to be able to talk about so many different sports and get into um, interesting things that have happened. Uh, I love breaking down the USC with Jason, uh, one of the most knowledgeable guys in the world. Uh, when it comes to mixed martial arts in the UFC specifically. And uh, also, yeah, he knows his stuff, doesn't he? Uh, basketball and football, uh, no no guy knows more. Uh, we had a fun weekend watching the draft, uh, watching the UFC and watching lots of tons of great basketball. Uh, it's Yeah, it's coming down to the nitty gritty. We've got NHL and NBA playoffs coming. So um, fun time of year. Thanks for tuning in as always. Uh, thanks for everybody that um, contributes to our show, partners and sponsors and everyone. I really appreciate you tuning in. Thanks so much. Love you lots. Uh, take care of yourself. Have a great week ahead and we will talk soon. Bye for now.